Hey guys, Jim here with Creative Play and Podcast Network, and here we are again in August. It is now hashtag RPG a day again for its eighth year. God, it's it's been so long. Again, we're joining in with all the other tabletop gamers out there to get creative and use the prompts now for RPG a day 2021 to inspire you guys to all write, vlog, blog, draw cool pictures this year. They're asking for whatever you do, do. So we are going to go ahead and start out with the next day. All right, guys, here we go. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok's story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hey guys, Jim here. And Kelly. And we seem to have a really good system for opening up our hashtag RPG Day 2021s because we come out so smooth, right? Sure. See, that's a good system. And the word of the day is system. <laughs> it's, it's of a, course, when I think of system, I mean, we have so many different systems of RPG. Um, you have D&D. You have w you could actually go on and on, but like my faves, uh, favorite systems are D and D, um, the gen, well, the storytelling with the, uh, Genesis, but specifically the Star Wars. I do love the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the storytelling dice system. I also like, uh, the fate system, uh, Dresden Files, um, uh, you know, I, I like the White Wolf system with the, the D10s. I've done the uh, D20 system, uh, the Apocalypse Engine mm-hmm. ones. So, you know, if you like a specific type of system, you can probably find multitude of games using the same type. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I joke with folks like when the Genesis system came out. The book was very much a blueprint on the cover, and that's exactly what they gave you, was the blueprint for making any setting you want with their system. Mm-hmm. Which I laugh how a lot of people didn't like it because they were expecting to be, like, fed a system. And instead, they were given, like, an amuse-bouche of eight different settings. You know, try these different settings and make it your own. And, you know, and, and as systems go, I'll throw out my top five favorites. Which is, of course, the Genesis slash Star Wars system. They're, they're almost exactly the same, but they're not quite. I do like the Star mm-hmm. Wars one better than, I should say, I specifically like the Edge of Empires Star Wars better than the Genesis system. Because in Edge of Empires, you start with an obligation of some shit that happened in your background that may or may not come up in any game session. So it's like Han yeah. Solo with the Job of the Hut. Mm-hmm. And I love how the obligation system goes. So the player gets to pick if they want obligation, how much obligation, and they get a tangible reward of experience or cash at the beginning. Yeah. So the more obligation they take, the more they have to work with at the onset. Mm-hmm. 
And I do know that the, the Android setting has something similar along the lines of favors as obligation. But uh, Age of Rebellion has duty, which the more you serve your cause, the, the more reward you get. And then Force and Destiny Star Wars has the uh, conflict system where you're basically here is your good and bad emotion. And that's how you gauge whether you go light or dark. But the obligation system is an awesome system. Every RPG should have some kind of obligation system because that way it adds to your character's background of, hey, you've been places, you've seen places, you've done some stuff. You know, it could be that you're wanted by the Empire or worse, you've got a bounty on your head for something you did. True enough. Now, one thing for system that maybe is not so nice is the new game, the system. Mm. We all know people who do it or, you know, it's like um, to me, sometimes it sucks the fun out of it a little. Um, uh, when you, when you game it, it's like, okay, yeah, min max, you know, but, ah, when they get so into just every possibility, it kind of just takes the, um, in the enjoyment down some when you game the system. That, that's true. But, you know, it should just be a shared collaborative story element. It's okay to have something bad with your character. I mean, like the over last weekend, the characters that I generated, every one of them was either dim, clumsy, non-observant. You know, every one of them had a flaw that was naturally part of their stats because, you know, everybody's got that dumb stat. Oh, and yeah. I, and I spread them around amongst the characters. So that way, you know, the, as a group as a whole, one was the smart one. But they were also very unperceptive because they had a low wisdom, so they didn't notice stuff. Then we yeah, had... and see, that's why I like building characters together as a group. Like at the start of a campaign, you may have an idea of specifically what you want to do, but then building it together um, so that you can work together um, to complement each other. Mm -hmm. um, just it's so hard when... You, you don't do that, and then it's like, oh, well, you know. Everybody okay, picks the same dump stat. we all have the exact same spell, you know. <laughs> I could, you know. Oh, that's why I always like to, I like to find out what the other casters might be doing so that, you know, we have a little bit more variety as opposed to everybody having light. <laughs> exactly. You, know? you want to spread that around. Exactly. It's like, okay. <laughs> We're we're well to do on that spell. Mm -hmm. Which which <laughs> that variety. that alone is a system of making sure as a, as a player group you guys talk. You know, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you know I know some players they wanted they, in their head they wanted their character to specifically do this, and because they didn't communicate it, all of a sudden they realize somebody does it better or in a different way that's better than their way, and that always you know and. and it sucks if, like, all of a sudden we have a doctor, but we have a cleric who can magically heal you instantly instead. Or if we're talking or, Star Wars, a doctor and then a Jedi. Or you take, you, you you see your character in a specific light, and then you realize you have no offensive spells. So then when you're in battle and your character's just sitting there uh, doing some type of buff. Mm-hmm. And rather than the only thing they can attack with is a weapon, but <laughs> that's not their forte. <laughs> <laughs> then it's like, 
huh, okay, maybe it's time to reevaluate. Yeah, I saw my character is this way and I chose my spells specifically based on that identity, but maybe we could, you know, tweak it. <laughs> and, you know, as and most game systems are nice that when you get to a level or a plateau, you can reevaluate things. You know, you can change things around like like in fate, you can move what your highest skill is, you know, so that way you still have the pyramid of skills. But you can shift and say because you've developed focus on something new or just picked up a new hobby. True. So to to finish my train of thought that I derailed myself on pretty quick, it's (laughs) Star Wars and Genesis, my favorite system. Second system is, of course, going to be, uh, I, I'll just call it the D&D system, because we all know basically what that is. It's the polyhedron yeah. set of dice and different classes use different dice because it's universal. It's it's <laughs> it's simple enough that everybody can pick it up after a game or two, whereas Genesis, it has a lot more agent player agency, which can scare new players because they're just like, I don't know what to do. And they're just like, seriously, tell us. Close your eyes, see your character, and what do you think happened when that result happened? You know, and it does take it does take time to feel comfortable throwing stuff out there. I mean, well, yeah, that's true. That's kind of the GM secret is is we never feel comfortable. We always just throw shit out there. <laughs> and, Game by the seat of your pants. And then my third favorite system is Fate because I'm a huge fan of Fate, but. Fate is what I consider out there an advanced RPG because just like with Genesis having to throw a lot of stuff out the seat of your pants, as a player, you have to embrace the fact that you're using inspiration and letting bad things happen to you. And that's kind of hard as a player to let your player, your character basically be hosed to get the points that you're going to need later to be amazing. Well, and plus the concept of aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, can be a little odd because you have to realize that everything in person is is basically a character. You know, a cool, spooky garage with a welding machine going off in the background has its own aspect of dark and scary. As you hear that arc welder zipping off and, and flashing light in the corner, and you realize that as a player, you can actually investigate an aspect to discover more about the scene. Yep. Or you can just say, screw it, throw in a fate point and create one on the spot that one person, you know, that everyone can technically tag on. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of the big deal with fate is it's really meant to be a group story as everybody's contributing. You know, one person throws marbles down against the big bed. It doesn't stop him, but it puts him off just a little so that when the next guy throws a handful of sand in his eyes, it throws him off just a little. But that way, when thing comes running up there the only guy that's able to punch him decently uses the marbles in the eye distraction i mean the marbles on the ground the sand in the eye and adds those to his attack as a team you guys get the knockout yeah and that's a really cool thing with fate is is naturally using the aspects and putting tags out there because a lot of times people like the the marble on the ground the tag could be oh watch your step Mm-hmm. It could totally be, you know, uh, 
slippery when wet, you know, if you're using water or oil on the ground, you know, and it basically asks players to come up with cool and unique ways for using their character strengths against an enemy. And and I'm a fan of that because it could be as simple as I throw my, you know, if I'm into writing, I throw my book in their face. You know, knowledge is power is the aspect <laughs> the I'm going to throw out there. The sword. If you flick them in the eye with the pen. Yeah. You know, it's one of those of it, it requires your players to put a whole bunch of extra effort into it. Now, I've seen ge- fake games where it's been amazing, where it's a bunch of hardcore fake players who have no fear of throwing shit out there. And we'll usually look at the table and say, you guys cool if I throw this out? And everybody's like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. And I've seen some groups where everybody's really reserved and shine. The energy's low and it's just a total train wreck. And I've seen some where it's bad because the GM won't compel people because they Ah. feel like they're railroading. Fate is one of those games where it's okay to look at your player and say, hey, I know your character has this weakness for blah, blah, blah. Guess what? I'm just dangling under your face. And they hold out a fate chip to bribe you. Mm-hmm. It's like, will you let uh, Harry Dresden get hit in the face because he's protecting a dame? Because that's what Harry Dresden does. You put it on your character sheet. That's your weakness. I'm going to use your weakness. And and, and as fate goes, your GM needs to know all of your aspects more so than a DM in D&D needs to know your inspirations. Because you want to play those constantly. Because that way you're giving your players the points and the economy is working back and forth. Much like inspiration. If you're not using the economy, you're you're selling yourself short. Because there is nothing cool than having a horrible role and getting to re-roll that stuff. Yep. Of course, in the fate system, the nice thing is, as a player, you have the option of re-roll or add plus two. So if you just almost succeeded, you can always just say, I want that guaranteed plus two. Or if you suck, you can totally re-roll. I mean, that used to be one of the aspects on the old fudge system that Fate came from. They actually had a chart showing you what the odds are improving if you, you show what you, what you rolled, how bad the roll to how good the roll of what the odds are of getting better. You know, some mathematician was looking at their fractions. So let's see that. Star Wars, D&D, Fate. Um, fourth favorite system. Uh, I'm going to throw out there the D20 system as its own because D20 and 5th edition are different. But uh, the D20 system is still in, in use in a lot of games, which is nice. Because, it's again, just like D&D, it's a super simple, common system that's easy to hack. You know, anybody can hack it and use it for something different. But my fifth one is definitely the Power by Apocalypse. I love the Power by Apocalypse games. My only, my only caveat is, as a player, Power by the Apocalypse can be difficult. Yeah, if you're not used to it. But I think that if you embrace it and you, um, once you become a little more comfortable, then yeah, it will be mm-hmm. a lot more fluid and easier to. I mean, it's a super e- simple system. You roll 2d6, you add your character's bonuses. If it's a 1 to 6, you fail, something bad happens. The GM gets to come up with something horrible. 7 through 9, 
you succeed, but uh, there, there's a cost. So you look at your character sheet at the different actions you can take, which, by the way, the player handbooks for Powered by the Apocalypse Systems is great because your player has basically the entire rule book in his two-page to four-page character sheet. And you basically say, okay, you succeed, but, and it's usually got choices. Like, you know, you managed yeah. to, you, you, you didn't take them out, but you didn't get hurt either. Or you took them out, but you got hurt in return. Or like collateral damage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Somebody a, else gets hurt. <laughs> yep. And as a GM, we love that because it puts you in the spot where you're squirming as a player and you're having to give us the power then. Because in Powered by the Apocalypse, only the players roll dice. It's a completely diceless system like Numenera for GMs. You know, we don't need to roll dice because we're telling a story. And it's 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 freeing that way that you're not having to worry about dice rolls on your side. And of course, with Power by the Apocalypse, players have to learn to share the spotlight more, which that can be kind of difficult when you've got the reins of the horse. You want to ride that pony, but you have to make sure in Power by the Apocalypse that you describe what you're doing in a in a scene. It's not just a single attack like in D and D. It's a whole narrative scene that you're you're, you're able to paint on your turn, which is great because. Whole stories can happen in a single game session, which is really nice, as opposed to some of the more micromanaged games. And of course, the cool thing that happens in that system is when you fail, there's usually some tangible reward for it. Basically, experience that you can burn to get new abilities or unlocking new features of your character sheet, things like that for failure. So by risking, you're getting a reward. And then, of course, if you roll a 10 or higher, you're basically critting and, and you get exactly what your character described happening, happening, and usually some cool plus one thing. And, of course, Powered by the Apocalypse now has the Avatar, the the last Airbender RPG coming out. The Kickstarter is almost done. At the In like three or four more days, it's going to be over. Which system is it? Is, does it have its own system or is it... It's it's a it's a variation of the Powered by the Apocalypse. Magpie Games is coming out with it. So you basically your playbooks are either the type of bender you are or the type of person you are outside of bending, and then you can select bending powers in your character sheet. They've cool. actually released the uh, quick start rules, so you can get a bunch of friends together and play that. If you hit up uh, on Kickstarter on Magpie Games, and I think Drive Through RPGs already got the PDF as well. But it's going to be a really cool Kickstarter that went like ridiculously gonzo six million dollars because everybody likes Avatar. You know, even if you're getting it just for the pictures and the art and the cool story stuff, it's totally worth buying some of those. Who doesn't want to be a bender? You know, come on. I know people are already saying, can they have uh, the uh, extra features of can I get a blood bender? And, you know, yeah. jams everywhere saying no. I know, I was the one that asked for a bloodbender. I know. <laughs> okay, how about a metal bender? There you go. It's a higher form of earthbending. Yeah, well, so is blood. Yeah. Blood is a creepy. higher form of water. So if you approve metal, you got to approve blood. Oh, you've gained the system. <laughs> Look at you. I did. You've gained, gained the system. The system. <laughs> You're so meta. <laughs> First, you know, I'm also interested in seeing when they come out with the amalgamation of, of animal mix-ups. Because, of course, Avatar was oh, famous for the animal mashups. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's going to be a good one when that Kickstarter finally comes out. 
Yeah, it's going to be cute. Yep. So try different systems. You know, as as a gamer and a game master, try different systems and, and really, really, you know, don't just try once. Try with a different GM or a different group. And see what you like, because different systems have pluses and minuses. You know, some systems do some settings really well, some don't do really well. I mean, that's that's totally the trade-off that happens. Like, I love Cyberpunk. I'm not a fan of the Cyberpunk Red RPG system. It gets a little too crunchy. Granted, it's just like it used to be pretty much, but nobody games like that anymore like they used to back in the 80s. Nobody likes making two-hour character sheets. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. I, I want to get to gaming, not to, not to making characters up. Or like Palladium character sheets, where you have to spend like a day in advance making your character. Yeah, no one got... no. <laughs> Nothing worse than having a cyborg and having to spend two million credits. Having to do bookkeeping in Excel to, to make sure you got the, the, the dollar amounts right. So anything else for system before I'm like, you know, all systematic and close us out? No, I think uh, I think we're good. So I will throw out a little call to action saying in the comments of, of the notes, whether it's on Facebook or on Podbean, put down what system you like playing the most. Because I'm actually kind of curious on that one of who's playing the most of what system. I'm assuming it's probably... D&D, Genesis, Powered by the Apocalypse, you know, along those lines. But uh, I'm just curious to see who who picks what. Alrighty, guys. I hope the weekend has been good for you as well. We've had an interesting time. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D, Journey of the Fifth Edition, and Scion, Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.